We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and Jack. Another Nets win tonight, 116-112 over the Portland Trailblazers. And no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant, no Landry Shamit, no Spencer Dinwiddie. James Harden put the team on his back, and a lot of guys stepped up and got a dub. How are we feeling after this one, Jack? They say the Nets don't have depth, Nick. I don't know, but if they're watching Nets basketball right now, even TLC's coming out here and throwing flamethrowers from three-point land. And you know, we'll get into all the different players, but I'm just really happy. A really good team win, despite obviously we had James Harden's brilliance on a, on again. It's he's just always brilliant, despite his his lack of shooting form of late. This is just a, a really great team win against a, a team who has been really hot themselves and and, and on the road as well. And this is a, a good way to start the road trip. Yeah, 100%, Jack, and we're going to jump into that. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do you want to start with this one? Nick, it was a tight tussle all night, you know, from the opening quarter where the Blazers sort of got out to a little bit of a buffer. There was a, a real lack of defense. Both teams locked it on that end of the floor for the rest of the game. And then the, the Nets were able to close it out with a 24-21 fourth quarter. Talk me through the key moments of that final period. Yeah, I think one of the biggest keys of that fourth quarter was Nick Claxton and his ability to deal Clack with him. Clack City, bitch. Clack City, bitch. It was pure Clack City in that fourth quarter, though. I mean, they he was they were at Clax Island, and they didn't get off it. You know, he locked him up. And we're talking about Dame Lillard, literally one of the best players in the NBA. There's not many point guards better than him, if any. And then also C.J. McCollum, he clamped up the entire night. I thought that was crucial to the defense being very good. Communication was really improved. You mentioned TLC had a couple nice plays in there, a couple deflections in there. Uh, Blake Griffin made some great plays in the fourth quarter. James Harden obviously just put the team on his back from either scoring or getting those assists. Obviously, he, he missed a couple shots in 
this one a little fatigued, but overall, I thought it was just like the energy and effort level turning up and defensively, they forced Portland to take tough shots or had guys take those shots that they're comfortable with. And some credit to Steve Nash because he threw a couple of double teams in there to just throw Dame and CJ off their rhythm. And it worked. And credit to the Nets for just playing harder than the Blazers in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and look, you, you can forgive them. You know, with James Harden coming in with the, the neck soreness and, you know, it, it was it looked, you know, the Garrison Matthews injury, I know you and, and Joe Money uh, jumped into it on, on the pod, but it looked pretty nasty. Yeah. And then we see him come out and, like, I know I wanted him the rest. I know you probably wanted him the rest. A, a whole section of Nets fans and Nets really wanted him the rest. But this dude, the dude's a warrior. And hopefully we do get him some semblance of rest soon. Hopefully Kyrie Irving's back after the road trip or KD's back sooner rather than later. Or even if against the Utah Jazz, we give him a rest. But, you know, you can't really stop James Harden from going out there and doing his thing but Nick I think it shows a level of maturity engagement and just a a swagger and confidence in their own ability to just get the job done and no matter who's contributing that sort of next man up mentality the 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 get ready mentality that this team has you know if it's Blake Griffin if it's Clax if it's Tyler Johnson if it's TLC you know whenever TLC is is out of the rotation he comes back he generally does have a bounce back performance it's generally maintaining the consistency that's always been the the worry for him can he maintain it against Utah can he maintain it uh, against the Detroit Pistons going forward we'll have to wait and see but you know, the, the reserves and, you know, Blake Griffin in the 19 minutes. I just love what he brought. You know, he hit his first three. His defensive energy was great. Um, he's always taking charges. Uh, he's just a big body out there. And I like how it gives our big man rotation a bit more flexibility. It's been allowing us to play DJ 20, 20 minutes or less because you got Griffin chipping in with 19. You got Clacks with another 22. You got Jeff Green playing 35. That dude, speaking of goddamn Warriors, I don't think Jeff Green gets enough credit. 34 years old, and um, the dude's playing more minutes than he's been on this earth, and uh, he's just doing absolutely awesome things for this team. So, Nick, I, I, I just can't say enough good things about the grittiness of this performance uh, against a, a team who I really, really respect, and I think it's going to be there come the pointy end of the season in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, obviously they have two great players in Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum and CJ just coming back, but he's having a great season. But like you said, Jack, it feels like this team is generating confidence and they're also creating those, you know, championship habits that we've talked about a lot the last two seasons. And when they're in these close games, I feel very confident in them winning them. Just obviously they have the star talent and the closers and James Harden and Kyrie Irving, but a lot of guys are making great plays. And you mentioned Blake Griffin. And I think something with him that sticks out is his high basketball IQ and his communication. He's done a great job in kind of what they call as a scram switch, where it's somebody who gets switched onto a smaller defender in the post. Blake is always communicating and trying to direct guys in the other direction so he could take on a body like Ennis Cantor. And I think in the fourth quarter, that was crucial because we saw Cantor feast in this game. And obviously, Claxon did his his job and fought with Cantor too in that fourth quarter. And I thought that was a good test. So overall, like you said, the grittiness and the toughness stuck out in this one. It, and it shows you that this team isn't just, you know, the pretty basketball, the yep. offense, get the job done, let's shoot the ball, the lights out, the ball's moving, fizzing, you're at 35 assists tonight. This team has shown that they can win in different ways. And I, I, I watch, you know, so many sports, we're, we're massive sports fans here, and sometimes you just have to get the W. And yep. tonight it wasn't a, it wasn't an ugly performance uh, by any stretch. It was gritty. It was hungry. It was mean. There was just the little things done there that you don't expect from a team that has you know Blake Griffin, that has James Harden, that has these sort of guys. But you got players and and you got the those dudes as well, our superstars leading the way in providing hustle. And I think that's been done, Nick, 
for the past sort of 10 or 15 games, they've been doing the little things and that's setting yeah. the standard. You see Kyrie Irving going out there, jumping for offensive boards. You see James Harden getting his hands in the cookie jar there, down low in the post. It invigorates the team. They're setting the standard. Now, James Harden has his issues uh, when he's out there on an island, a uh, one-on-one, but it, it's pretty handy to have Nick Claxton backing you up down there when he is on the floor together. So, look, I think that the standard is being set in so many different habits, like you alluded to, championship habits, but I think it's just game-winning habits, to be honest, yeah. Nick. They're game-winning habits, and it's just like, we know what it takes play-by-play to get the, the job done. Whether that's throwing a double at, at one of the guys who is the, the best isolation and clutch player that we have seen this season. He has been absolutely marvelous and an MVP contender in Damian Lillard. Full respect goes to him and full respect goes to the Nets for playing smart basketball and for Steve Nash and the coaching staff for throwing different looks at him and yep. making it uncomfortable for the Portland Trailblazers because this is a hot offensive team. You know, Robert Covington's been playing well. CJ McCollum's inserted back, as you alluded to. Ines Kanter seems to always cook the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. The former WWE 24-7 champion uh, himself that keeps cooking... <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets in that respect but Nick it's just a good win I'm really really happy with this and um, uh, when you look back on it it might not be one like a Phoenix Suns one it might not be one like against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Clippers but I think this one goes down as a really goddamn solid win and the 30th win of the season a nice number to click, click over after only 44 games yeah, and like you mentioned, Jack, I thought for Steve Nash, not only the double teams, but the adjustments he made in terms of the big man rotation, not playing DeAndre Jordan in the fourth quarter. I thought that was pretty crucial, especially because Portland was attacking him. Dame Lillard was cooking him every opportunity he got, and DJ's communication just hasn't really been there. And also talking about the other point you brought up, Jack, I feel like defensively, they're having a better idea of the scheme and also in terms of communication and where they need to go. Obviously, we still see some of the hiccups here and there, but it's a lot better than what we saw the first month of the season. I think we've sort of seen that from just the the chemistry and the cohesion being built, Nick. You know, I, I think sometimes, and, and Jeff Van Gundy has mentioned this, like, you know, they have to get along with each other to sort of, you know, win on the court and such. But I think it actually is having an effect for this Brooklyn yep. Nets team. You know, Je- I think the, the energy and leadership from Jeff Green, the, the the general energy that Blake Griffin gives to this team as well. You know, we know Kevin Durant wanted him, and we know that Tyler Johnson is a big fan. I'm not <laughs> going to mention his quote because I, I don't want to come off as insensitive, but it was a really funny quote he said to Brian Lewis. So I, it just seems to me that there is... These guys enjoy playing basketball together. And, I mean, it, it's pretty damn enjoyable when you're one of the best teams in the NBA and number one on power rankings left, right, and center. I'm definitely eating my words because I had them 10th in, in power rankings at the start of the season. So, um, I, I, I can't I, relate. I, 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 all right, all right, all right. We know I'm, I'm the pessimist of the pod. Pessimist podcaster is, is you might as well call me. But... Yeah, the, the habits and, and the chemistry overall, Nick, from, from top to bottom. You know, guys want to play with James Harden, and that's reflecting on the court. James Harden and Nicholas Claxton looking like Chris Paul and DJ in 2014. Yeah, I mean, obviously the lobs are there, and that's been a big component. We talked about that when we saw Claxton first get minutes with James Harden. The chemistry and cohesion wasn't necessarily there in the oops. Now Claxton's getting a better understanding of where he needs to be. I think Harden's had a couple little talks with him about, you know, go here, go there, based off of his actions. And Claxton just is really good, too. It helps when you can just essentially float in the air. And sometimes Claxton just, like, tips the ball. Like, there is a tip tonight where I don't even know how it went in. It was like a volleyball-type play, but that's just the type of luck that kid has right now. This kid is going to keep getting attention, Nick. Yeah. And, you know, 
I, I know plenty of other Nets fans have been on been on this guy since you know we drafted him with that thirty first pick, and you know you saw the video of him in college blocking jump shooters and and playing with the ball in his hands. It was funny because the first play he had tonight, you know the defense were the, the defense from the the Blazers was quite clogged and and they were really honed in, and he decides to take you know, Enos Cantor and Robert Covington gets it, gets in there, and normally you know the first play of the night is an important play for a lot of players because it's just like oh man, That's it sort of sets the tone for your mentality and such. But Clax is just like, you know what? I don't care. Every single play, I'm going to clamp you. I'm going to get lobs. I'm going to run the floor. Um, he is just such a, a, a bonus for this team. He's a, he's an ace. He's, you know, pocket aces up our goddamn sleeves. You might as well call him because what he's doing for this team is something that you don't expect out of a guy that's played, you know, less than a season worth of basketball. You know, you see it from like the likes of Zion Williamson. And again, we make hyperbolic uh, comparisons on this podcast, but what he is doing for this team is something that is just you don't get from many players, let alone a guy that has such inexperience like Claxton does. Young alchemist, my guy. Yeah, 16 points tonight, nine rebounds, four offensive, deserve, eight to ten. He deserved the double double. I was I was rooting for it all game, Nick. As soon as I saw the eight boards, I'm like, come on, Clax, two more, two more, mate. Clax City. And eight to ten from the field, one block, one turnover. And but the stat sheet doesn't do him justice, Jack, because I thought defensively, we kind of alluded to it early on, like he straight up put the clamps on CJ McCollum. Like CJ kept trying to go back to Nick Claxton. And it was nothing. It was just constant misses. I think all he really got out of Nick Claxton tonight was two free throws. And I think Dame Lillard had three points. We're talking about one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And Nick Claxton literally locked them up. Yeah, there was a couple double teams in there. But on the ISO possessions, like, he forced these guys into some bad misses. We're not talking about a rim out. We're talking about hitting the side of the rim or the backboard. Like, he is frustrating guards. Like, he's not just shutting them down. Like, he's starting to have an impact on them negatively. Dude, like, what does Clax have against CJ McCollum? Like, ever since he's, like, one of his first games, you know, he gets a dunk and he's elbowing freaking CJ McCollum in the face, and now he's destroying him. He's taking his goddamn life out there on the court. <laughs> CJ McCollum is an incredible isolation player, and he has, like, a handle like no other. His ability to create space, his jumper is wet as hell. He's just a pure, pure offensive player. So, uh, look, the we were talking about it off wax. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it to the pod. Is Nicholas Claxton, where does he rank for you as an isolation defender, as a big man? Now, my best in the league is Anthony Davis because that dude is just one of the best defensive players in the NBA and has been for a very long time. And funnily enough, you know, he has shown it against the likes of Damian Lillard. He might be the best Damian Lillard individual defender we have actually seen. But where's Claxton rank for you as an isolation defender, Nick? As a big man uh, in general, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, Jack, Anthony Davis being the best one, he obviously has the experience, he has the reps, he has, you know, the athleticism of Nick Claxton, but also has a little bit more strength and size. I think Clax actually might be a touch quicker, but he obviously doesn't have the same type of strength and experience that AD has. I mean, off the top of my head, and I haven't really thought about this a lot, I actually posed a question on Twitter because I was curious what people would say. I feel like Claxton honestly might be a top five already, like in terms of just being out in the perimeter. Like I said early on, like, 
there's not many harder tests than Dame Lillard. We're talking about literally one of the toughest players to defend for guards in the NBA. We saw Bruce Brown struggle in this game. We saw Jeff Green. We saw Joe Harris, whoever it was. Dame Lillard put them to work. Nick Claxton was really the only guy that had success. And I think he's so comfortable on the perimeter and he's so fluid in his motions, but he also understands his wingspan and his athletic ability. Because one thing that I've noticed, he catches a lot of guards on the closeout, on the contest where it's like, Oh, damn. Like you mentioned earlier, Jack, blocking shots in college. Like he's getting close to blocking a lot of these jumpers. And that's what's really frustrating the guards. And it's throwing them off and they're missing shots. Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did it to Vooch the other night. And yeah. Vooch is an incredible post shooter. You know, he, he's he's not Dirk Nowitzki, but he's Dirk like in, in his uh, in his positioning and, and just his, his ability down low. I, I just think that he's got timing and confidence, Nick. Yep. And that's something that is just scary. You know, when, when you have all the tools there and you've proven it and you've seen, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this against this guy. I can do this against this guy. It, we've seen him lock down freaking Luka Doncic, one of the yep. best, like, individual offensive players. We've seen him do it again tonight. When a team's going to learn, Nick, they just ain't going to learn. And I'm kind of happy that they're not they're, because Clax is feeding off. You can see that he loves it. He, every single game when you ask him, it's just like, oh, so you, we, we saw CJ McCollum, like, I see you in the post. Like, that'd be the first thing that I would ask Clax. I'm like, did you enjoy that? He's like, I, I guarantee you. He'd be like, hell yeah, I loved it. And like what we heard the other night, like he didn't get the opportunity to do it uh, much uh, in his rookie season because of just the general scheme that Kenny Atkinson does run. This scheme right now, uh, it, it is just tailor-made for Nicholas Claxton. And he just gives this team everything on the defensive end of the floor. And he just gives you just so much athleticism uh, and, and composure and, and everything on the other end of the floor that it's just, he just is an addition. And James Harden is making him, his growth and his maturation is only going to get better under the guise of, of James Harden, who has turned plenty of big men into goddamn superstars. Yeah, and I think he's also improving in other aspects too in some of the rotations out there and the recovery speed stuff on some of the rim protection. It's just been really incredible to watch him develop, Jack. And it's almost becoming a tool to the extent, obviously, the Nets switch everything. The team is trying to run a pick and roll and nothing's happening because the Nets are obviously switching it and now they're not getting the mismatch with their guard. So now it's just like it's providing the Nets an aspect to be a good defensive team just with one player with the impact they can provide. Obviously, there's other areas in which you can attack. But like you said, teams aren't learning like no disrespect to the other players in the Nets. But who would I rather have in an ISO situation, Nick Claxton or Tyler Johnson or like Joe Harris or somebody? You know what I mean? Like no disrespect to any of our players. There's lesser defenders on this team and they try to target arguably the best one. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's crazy how quickly we were like, man, Jared Allen's such a massive loss that the Nets need to get a drum, the Nets need to get a McGee, the Nets need to get a, a Gorgie Jane, the Nets need to get a, a, a drum, whoever whoever that name is that springs to mind. And now it seems that fans are like, you know what? We've got clacks, and if we do get a guy, I don't want to have to give up too many assets for him yep. because he's we don't want to take those minutes away from a player that we want to be playing majority and meaningful minutes in the postseason. And a lot of guys are proving their worth in that regard as well, Nick. And I if you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award-winning service has a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today. A guy I wanted to give a shout-out to who had didn't have the best game the other night in Tyler Johnson, but I think he is proving that he is going to be at least a valuable contributor come uh, the postseason in, in some form or another. I'm just loving what Clax uh, and Tyler Johnson are giving this team as their role players. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Johnson just all energy 100% of the time, and like we've been comparing him to a TJ McConnell to an extent, just those high-effort plays, picking up people full court, able to knock down a couple threes. He's kind of cooled off since the first half of the season, but like you said, Jack, even if you see Tyler Johnson for three minutes in a playoff game, he's going to do his best to make them count. Yeah, I, I think that's what you want out of, you know, sort of, you have a your superstar-laden talent and you've got a solid, you know, six-man rotation, which we've sort of alluded to with the Nets, and, and that can be interchangeable with Bruce Brown, Tyler Johnson, and Nick Claxton. Blake Griffin might prove himself to, to be that dude as well. You know, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, these sort of guys. What you want the guys that are, like, on the fringes, seven, eight, nine, which is what Tyler Johnson is, is to make the most of his opportunity when he gets it. And you know that Tyler Johnson will because he's had the experience in the NBA where he knows, he just knows what to do. And I think yep. that's a skill in itself to be able to go, okay, what do I need right now? There were lineups tonight where we didn't see James Harden at all, but we saw Blake Griffin and Tyler Johnson. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually kind of comfortable with the, the ball handling and the playmaking out here because Blake Griffin is incredible at that. And Tyler Johnson is pretty solid at that as well. So I think it just gives you... A, he, he, he has just a, a, a solid enough skill set across the board on both ends of the floor that you know, you know what you're going to get from him. And it's a level of consistency that we want out of that depth. Yeah, I feel like that was one of the questions somebody asked him pregame, actually, Jack. I think it was either someone asking Steve Nash about Tyler Johnson's play or Tyler Johnson talking about his play. But the main word was consistency. And that's really what it's been. You know, he's been a different player in terms of what we can expect from him on a regular basis. But we talked a little bit about Blake Griffin before. I think he deserves some more love. I've been very impressed by the way he's played as a Brooklyn Net. You know, obviously the stats aren't going to pop out, but I think a lot of the high basketball IQ plays, a lot of the hustle stuff, eight points tonight, three of four from the field, one of two from three, five rebounds, two steals. How'd you feel about Blake tonight, Jack? 
plus nine as well, Nick. The only yep. player who had who was better in the plus minus was Joe Harris, and we know Joe Harris is might be one of the plus minus kings of the NBA. So uh, I think that when Blake was out there, you just knew that good things were going to happen, yeah. offensively or defensively. And offensively, he is just a hub. You know, he can do so many things. You know, he's a good screener. He's he's good in the short roll. He's a, a great kick-out passer. He's great from the elbow. You know, I'm, I'm solid and, and comfortable with that three-point shot. Sometimes it's like, is he shooting on the way up? Is he shooting on the way down? Yeah. Where's the motion? But the th- three-point shot that he did hit tonight looked nice, looked clean. And I'm glad that he's taken it because that we need the defense to honor him. And that's probably going to be a differentiation point between him being like, you know, uh, a fringe rotation player to being like, you know, Jeff Green. Jeff Green is always taking those shots. He's taken five or six a night. Blake Griffin took the two. He hit one. It's similar with a, a Bruce Brown. Take the shots when they're there. And it's almost like we have another Bruce Brown-ish yeah. player in Blake Griffin. It's it's weird to say because Blake Griffin was a goddamn superstar in this league. But now he's he's sort of assimilated to that role player. In, in a pretty goddamn good way. And a, and a lot of it goes to him and to his character and to his awareness and, and willingness to do that. Yeah, honestly, Jack, I think I'd like him to be a little bit more aggressive in a couple situations. Like, take a couple more threes, take a couple more uh, mismatches in the post, obviously, when the opportunity is there, especially on a night like tonight with no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant. You know, lessen the load a little bit for a James Harden, but also defensively. He looked bad in Detroit. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, he he did not look good. Like, he couldn't really defend anybody in space. And we saw him hold his own against Dame Lillard tonight. We saw him provide some decent rim protection as well. His rotations have been pretty good. And he's willing to take a charge. I, he, I think he drew at least one charge in this game, and he probably should have had a second one they didn't get credit for. Yeah, I remember Matt Brooks the other day was putting out a set, like, you know, he'd, he'd be the Brooklyn Nets leader in charges taken already. Um, he's just, he's so damn good. Um, and, and I think that that just comes from a level of experience that you expect out of, you know, guys in this sort of league. And I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm starting to warm to the fact that I, again, I, I think a lot of credit goes towards the coaching staff in terms of how they're using him and, and in those spurts and not overexerting him, but also giving him those extra opportunities yep. to showcase, you know, his skill set and sort of giving him that confidence to have the ball in his hands. Because when Blake's, Blake Griffin's got the ball in his hands, good things are going to happen. No, yeah. He's not going to turn it over. He's not going to make bad decisions. So I'm just, I'm, we're lucky to have him, Nick. And, and while it'd be nice to have a PJ Tucker or, or whoever else, focusing on what we do have now, Blake Griffin uh, gives us a differentiation point and gives us an extra player in this rotation where minutes are going to be fought for. And you're going to have to fight Blake Griffin uh, for, to get those minutes uh, when their games start to really matter. And it allows us as well with all these injuries that we uh, continue to have. You have Blake Griffin in the rotation. It's just like, uh, like I sort of alluded to earlier, who would have thought that you know if James Harden's your only guy out there, you know normally you'd have a Chris Chioza out there for yep. a semblance of minutes and such. And you know we love cheese uh, for for many a reason, but Blake Griffin is uh, as good if not an, an equal playmaker uh, to to Chioza. Yeah, I think at the elbow, you feel very comfortable with the ball, Jack. And like you said, he can handle a little bit and just kind of can make the right reads. And he's just a smart basketball player. I think that's one thing that really sticks out. In comparison to a lot of the other options the Nets maybe could have acquired or some of the other buyout options, I think Blake probably provides more versatility. And there's probably a higher ceiling than a lot of the other guys. There's also probably a lower floor. Like, there's a chance that he he could have another injury knock on wood. We don't want that to happen. But, like... He has some major skills to his game that can like double down on the Nets already being a great offense. And this can take their second unit offense to another level. But it's also going to be exciting to see him play with the stars because he has an understanding of what it was like to be a superstar and how you can make life easier for other players. 
If he's the fifth player out there in a unit with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, or Jeff Green, whoever else you want to sort of chuck out there, or Clax, yeah. whoever else you, you want to sort of put out there in that lineup, he's going to feast. Like yep. and and, and I, like individually tonight, I love the post move that he had because I'm like, he's going to get this. He's got strength, and when he gets positioning, and I did also like some um, the passing and utilizing those actions because. The Nets, you know, in, unless it's Kevin Durant, the Nets don't really like to do a lot of post play. Kyrie Irving's obviously really good there, and he probably wants a few more post touches. But in saying that, I, I just like the differentiation that he does give us as an offensive player. And yes, we don't need it. And yes, you can analyze every, every little bit. And, and and there are there about the Brooklyn Nets are not offense and needing defense. You know, tonight we probably won't have the time to chat about the trade deadline and, and the acquisitions there, but we have, do have the game tomorrow that we'll probably dive a little bit deeper there. But Blake Griffin is just a, a nice, solid ad, Nick. And for what we paid for him, pretty goddamn good. Yeah, you really can't beat a Jack. It's going to be fun to see him kind of progress. And like I said, I've been really excited with the way he's played. But uh, time to talk James Harden, who just put another MVP performance, you know, a team on his back. Shooting numbers weren't great tonight. You know, 25.7 to 24 from the field, 0-7 from three, 11 to 13 from the free throw line, seven rebounds, Jack, and 17 assists. I mean, you, you're not hitting your shots. You're still finding other ways to win the game, and I think that's one of the aspects that makes James Harden great. He's finding my favorite passes of his now, Nick. I'm not sure what yours are. He's obviously incredible in the pick and roll. He's, he's the outlet. His pocket passes are just a, yeah. a thing of goddamn beauty. He has that ball on a goddamn string. But these touchdown passes, the one that he got yeah. to Blake tonight, I was just like, and he obviously had the, the freaking full court, the three-quarter court um, alley-oop to, to Clax the other night yeah. as well. It's just like, you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. There should be like rules against Shame Harden of being that good of a passer. And... He doesn't, it's weird because normally it's just like, oh, it's that step back three you got to watch for. But it's now it's just like, he's got that floater game that's working for him. He's getting to the line more. He just knows, all right, I'm not feeling my shot here. And you can tell, I think that he wants to probably play a little bit more because he wants to get out his rust. But it's just like, we probably need you to rest to get out the rust a little bit as yeah. well. It's that little bit of a balance. And look, he's a superstar, Nick. He's an MVP contender. And, you know, going up uh, against Damian Lillard, it's a nice little battle of these two absolute bona fide megastars, Hall of Famers. Uh, and, you know, James Hunt wants to go out there and, and make a statement. And he's making statements night after night after night. And just please, James, we need you to rest, my guy. I understand what you've done in Houston, but the Brooklyn Nets are a little bit more conservative the way they do things. Have a couple extra smoothies and take a break, my dude. Yeah, like, seriously, Jack, a bad shooting game for James Harden. He had 25-17-7. Like, that is just nuts. 11-13 from the free throw line, like I said. I think, you know, tonight we saw him really attack in there and try to create that contact, especially knowing his shot wasn't falling. And defensively, I think the fatigue has kind of caught up to him. Defense hasn't really been as good, especially out on the perimeter. But again, like you said, Jack, hopefully – he will rest against Utah tomorrow or tonight by the time people are listening to this. If not, the Nets honestly should consider giving him a week off when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back. Like, he just needs to get some rest on that body because he's also starting to get some of these little tiny injuries. You know, we, you mentioned the shoulder from the last game. He got banged up a little bit in this one. I think he had a knee to knee too. So it's like, all right, we need to get this guy 100% for the postseason. We don't want it to be like in Houston when he was a little bit burnt out by the time it was for the playoffs. He had 40 minutes again tonight, Nick. 40 yeah. minutes. Um, he's a warrior. We, we know how durable he is, and it, it might be one of his biggest and, and greatest skills, his durability and availability for the teams that he does play for. But, James, just please, mate, there's nothing wrong with taking a rest. You know, work smarter, not harder. That's what they say, my friend. 
Yeah. And Jack, let's talk about your boy, Joe Harris. I thought this was a really, really good game from Joe Harris. And a lot of people probably won't pay attention to it. I saw, I was lucky enough to see large chunks of this game. I saw a mid-range bucket that looked like a goddamn rainbow, Nicholas. And I've never seen a rainbow look so goddamn beautiful. And it came from a person who I've never seen look so goddamn beautiful. Yeah, 17 points for Joe, 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. But honestly, I don't really care about that. I care about his defense on CJ McCollum because I thought from the start of the game, Joe did a really good job on CJ McCollum. And maybe it's because CJ isn't one of the best athletes in the NBA. He's more of the fundamentally skilled type guy. And that allowed Joe to kind of use his fundamentals and match up with him. And I thought that was just a really good performance from him to at least eliminate one of the aspects of the Blazers. And CJ, I think, ended up shooting this game five of 19. And some credit to that goes to Joe Harris. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit tired of this narrative that some fans, some Nets fans, quote unquote fans, are throwing at Joe Harris as being a bad defender. Again, Check out articles at OGBasketball.com from John that just show you that he is not a bad defender. He just simply is not a bad defender. And if you think he is, it's just because you're comparing him to Nicholas Claxton. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, we got Nick Claxton. This guy's now the worldly defender. Look how athletic and quick and lateral he is. And you got Joe Harris, who's just like, solid. And there's nothing wrong with just being solid and fundamental. If anything, you want guys to be more like Joe Harris because not everyone has the gifts that Nick Claxton does have. And I, I do agree, Nick, because I think CJ, if he had to use his hand a little bit more to sort of get Joe moving a little bit, it probably would have made it uh, a little bit harder for, for Joe. But credit to Joe for showing a level of physicality, toughness, and, and grittiness. It was sort of emblematic of how this team played on the defensive end of the floor and you know the three-point ball is always going to be falling he's had like what one bad shooting night this season back to 50 percent of what he does there and hitting two free throws uh he's making both of them so um you can't uh, get enough consistent performances out of joe harris and if you're getting bored with them uh then i don't know what to do for you but you certainly shouldn't be subscribing to my only fans <laughs> watch some bad basketball and you'll appreciate him a little bit more but guy another guy who really stepped up tonight jack jeff green after hours jeff you know, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line, 20 points. And he just looked a lot more confident. Like, this is, I think, the best he's looked since he's come back from that little shoulder injury he had. Yeah, 20 points for him tonight. Um, I said 20 a little bit weird there, but I wanted to give <laughs> a little, little bit excited. of emphasis on it. 20 <laughs> points for Jeff Green tonight. 4 of 5 from the free throw line, 2 of 6 from 3, 7 of 14 from the field. Nick... I goddamn love this man's layups. <laughs> it, and I, I mean, I love Jeff Green ducks. Jeff Green murders and, and, and you know, should be arrested for some of the things that he does on, on the NBA floor. But it's just like he just has a, an arm that just extends forever. And one of those layups tonight was just pretty as hell. Yeah, and he also attacks on some of those laps. Like the one he just went straight at Ennis Cantor. He did not give a shit. He was there. And I mean, Cantor's one of the bigger guys in the NBA. And he just said, I'm going to hit you with a body and I'm going to get this and one. That's exactly what happened. So credit to Jeff Green. I feel like Jeff Green is also the type that realizes like, yo, Kyrie's out. Kevin Durant's out. You know, Shamit's out. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie's out. I need to step up. I need to give James Harden some of that alleviated uh, workload. And he did that tonight. And he's done that in the past. So it's great to have a guy and veteran minimum who can step up and score 20 points and some of that was in literal self-creation and I think at points in the game the Nets needed that because as good as James Harden was you don't want to put the full workload on his back and also credit to Joe Harris because I thought he created a couple buckets for himself in this one too yeah I think all of these guys are like you know we they have a sense for the moment and in, in sort of being like you know what 
James Harden is tired here. He's creating so much for us. Let's let make things a little bit easier for him, whether that's with the second unit by themselves or whether that's, you know, James Harden just needs to chill. And there's sometimes where you want him to be moving more off ball or whatever, but it's other times where it's just like, Jeff, do your thing. Joe, do your thing. Create a little bit of space here because both of those guys are solid passes as well. Their, num- their flashing numbers aren't going to go off the screen because a lot of the time they'll get their secondary assist because they'll penetrate you know, drag a defender with them and then kick it out and it'll probably, you know, whiz around again to get that ball moving. But yeah, both of those dudes uh, continue to provide this team. They had 26 shots combined uh, with them and James Harden had 24. I think that's a pretty nice number. Yeah, no, I think that is, Jack. And I think obviously, you know, Joe and Jeff both shot a great efficiency, both 50% from the field. So that's what you love. I guess quickly, let's touch on a TLC, you know, 11 points, four, seven from the field, two of five from three. And like you said, Jack, you know, he has been out of the rotation, but given the opportunity tonight, I thought he stepped up and he played pretty well. You know, early on, Dame and CJ kind of worked him a little bit, but he got into his zone and he did his thing a little bit offensively and kind of stayed in his role and played like the version of TLC we want him to be. Yeah, absolutely. 11 points, three assists, four boards, had a steal as well, liked his defense, two of five from three, four of seven from the field, also got a free throw as well. This is what you want out of TLC. Yeah. And look, I think that TLC can be a rotation player for the Brooklyn Nets in the regular season. And if he proves it then, then maybe you give him some playoff minutes because he, as a just general rotation player, when we when I've analyzed and we've analyzed on previous pods about the Nets' depth, and obviously this was before the addition of Blake Griffin, a lot of the Nets guys and a lot of the Nets role players are guards. And yep. TLC at least gives you a semblance of wing size, even though he probably is listed as a shooting guard. He's closer to me. I, I sort of think of him as a small forward in that respect. So, look, 27 minutes for him tonight. He led the, the team in minutes off the bench. You know, you look at James Harden, 40, 32 for Joe Harris, 35 for uh, Jeff Green, and 27, a fourth of most amount of minutes for TLC. And if you, there were people out there complaining about it, then look, judge TLC on what he does. Judge on um, on what he produces for the Brooklyn Nets. And if you're judging him on what he did tonight, you've got to give him a lot of credit. If he gives you absolutely nothing in the first couple of minutes and he makes blunders and it's got Joe Harris and Steve Nash pulling their hair out, then hmm. yank him out of the rotation and give him the, the criticism that he does deserve. But fairness where fairness is due. He played really well tonight and he was a big reason why the Nets won. Yeah, no, give him credit to that, Jack. And obviously, you know, I thought this is a nice matchup for him because he can defend guys like Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., who don't necessarily have, you know, much of an offensive game other than shooting and dunking. So that what? kind of allowed him to be in a good position too. And then just finally touch on Bruce Brown. Nothing crazy for Bruce, you know, eight points, four rebounds, one assist. Got called for a couple of ticky-tacky fouls, but overall just kind of a, you know, solid Bruce game. I, I thought this was more solid, Nick, than in previous iterations where we've sort of seen the, the clutteredness and, yep. and the mismatch with, with him and, and DJ sometimes. I thought that he looked a little bit better out there, and, and I thought he was a, an overall positive contributor. You know, uh, this is, if you're getting this out of Bruce in 20 minutes, that's solid. Four yep. or seven from the field, four boards. Did get an offensive one there as well. I'm sure he'll be a little bit annoyed that he didn't get a steal, but he did <laughs> get a block and um, was plus seven on the night, eight points. Another good role player performance. And again, this is what we want out of you know your Blake Griffins, your Tyler Johnsons. All these guys provide an individual skill set that can contribute to this team and can contribute into winning basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. And this is a team win, Nick, because everyone else other than the DJ, I'm not sure if you do want to speak about him, played positive basketball for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Yeah, I think the majority of the grades for everyone else other than DeAndre Jordan would probably be positive. You know, and I thought... 
I can't even say anything good about <laughs> Just the pause there. I can literally hear your brain being like, can I find something positive to say about DeAndre Jordan? And then your brain's like, no, you can't, man. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't lie to our listeners. They deserve better. So, I mean, I was just, it was atrocious. You know, he was getting muscled by Ennis Cantor, who should be the most ideal matchup for him. He's slow. DeAndre's slow. But again, Cantor was just muscling him in the paint, got a ton of offensive rebounds. DJ seemed like he didn't know the defensive game plan. Um, and other than that, I mean, he got called for a moving screen, I think, in this one, too. Just it's really tough out there. And maybe he's a guy that needs to get some rest. But at the end of the day, this is probably one of the bigger concerns, I guess, for the Nets in terms of like, is DeAndre Jordan going to play like this in the postseason or should we acquire somebody like a JaVale McGee? Obviously, you no know, Blake Griffin being here helps. Obviously, Nick Claxton stepping up, but you want to have some type of big body center. And right now, I'm not sure how much you can really count on DeAndre Jordan. And I know that sounds crazy and it feels like I'm hating, but there's just so many issues and other teams are starting to pick up like, hey, this is where we attack. And that's what we saw Dame and CJ do and Hennis Cantor too. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think you make a good point there because we judge on a game-by-game -game performance and the, because we have literally, and you have literally analyzed every single game, you have the sample size and knowledge to go, what is DJ doing here? Are there improvements? And you were trying to find them, and, and I totally respect <laughs> you for trying to do that. But yeah, it's just, uh, it is a worry to an extent, but I think it is also still halfway through a season, or like three quarters of the way through the season. And there's a part of me that's just like, Embiid and Giannis. Those are two guys where it's just like, is DJ the best matchup for them based off our, our roster right now? Maybe. And and maybe it's obviously different looks because, you know, Clax is going to get bullied by those sort of dudes. Griffin obviously isn't a defensive performer. And we've already sort of seen DeAndre Jordan show uh, uh, maybe one of his best games of the season against the Milwaukee Bucks and because yeah. of what he did uh, against Giannis. And some of that was Giannis sort of settling a little bit. But um, it, it, and again, this is me finding ways to, to give credit to your DeAndre Jordan. But the way that he plays, Nick, it's just like he sets the tone so poorly for the Brooklyn Nets. It's why they've been starting so badly because DJ is playing so badly. He's hanging back in a drop coverage against Damian Lillard. Why are you in a and drop CJ And CJ Both of these guys are lethal from three. Why are you in a drop coverage, my dude? Why aren't you getting up to them? You've shown a willingness to do that before. And then when guys do drive on him, it's just like he semi-contests or he over-contests and gives away fouls. Or it's just like there's never a middle ground with, with DJ of late. And I've got a It's despite being the general pessimist of this team in general and pessimist on this pod, individually, I have faith in our players. And I have faith that they will produce when it, it does tend to matter. TLC tonight, DeAndre Jordan, again, out of the 10 players that we played tonight, uh, sorry, the nine players we played tonight, he was the only poor performer. And I think he can get give something to us at some point in time. It's not happening right now, and it does need to change because I think the reinforcements will come. And that's going to force him to, to really sort of straighten up and sort of go, all right, I've got to step up here because my minutes are, are, are going to be few and far between. Again, another night where he's playing 10-plus minutes in that first quarter and only plays another sort of 10 minutes for the game. Just sub the dude out after six minutes and get Jeff Green in there or, or get Blake Griffin in there or get Clax in there. It just arrest the momentum because that's where the Nets are losing a lot of ground, Nick. It's the early points of this game in those first quarters. I mean, look, Portland scored 41 points in the first quarter. 41 points. Obviously, some of that was pace, and I'm not saying DeAndre Jordan's the only reason. Nets' defensive effort as a whole wasn't great, and obviously they picked it out through the rest of the game because only let up 25 in the second, 25 in the third, and 21 in the fourth. So it's great. But like you said, Jack, 
you do kind of get worried about setting the tone. Like you need to have better first quarters because in previous games, the Nets haven't had as great of first quarters and they've lost those games. You know what I mean? Against that Orlando one. And it was kind of an uphill battle the entire time. You leave it even. You feel really good about yourself being the Brooklyn Nets that you're going to win any close game in the fourth quarter. If you have to make a 10-point comeback, things get a little bit harder even if you are that much more talented because the other team is gaining confidence throughout the entire game. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on on this one? Uh, happy birthday to King Kai, Kyrie Andrew Irving. Hopefully he's celebrating with his family. I know some people are putting two and two together, but who cares? I'm just hoping that dude is getting um, the, he needs the time rest that he anyways. needs. Who cares? Like, honestly, we know um, we know and love Kyrie Irving so goddamn much. 29 years old. Uh, only one year younger than yours truly. I think he's your age, isn't he now? Yeah, I think was he a year older. Yep. So, 29, it's it's 29 and feeling fine for Kyrie. and playing goddamn career-level basketball. Um, he's a goddamn king on and off the court. Happy birthday. I hope he's having the best day with his family and his friends. Yeah, and happy birthday to New Jersey Nets legend, Jason Kidd, former Brooklyn Nets head coach as well. I guess, Jack, one random stat before we get out of here. The Nets dominate the points in the paint tonight, 64-28. to 28. That's something we haven't seen this season, Nick. I guarantee you that the Nets have not allowed less than 40 points would be off the top of my head. Maybe the Clippers, because the Clippers are just a team that just never penetrates. And normally, like, you know, the Blazers look their most dangerous when they are doing that. You know, Derek Jones Jr., Damian Lillard getting downhill, CJ obviously penetrating. You know, Cantor kind of does it. He's just more hanging around the rim, cleaning up the sort of messes and such. But that's that's a big, big stat, Nick. And look, there's a lot of stuff to analyze from this game. But... Who knows, by the time this podcast is out tomorrow, we might do an emergency pod because Norman Powell could be on the way. Spencer could maybe uh, long for the Brooklyn Nets. We might have, you know, Otto Porter brought out. Thad Young, please bring Thad Young. Sean, get on the phone. Best player since Larry Bird, LeBron James, as we've seen <laughs> by that that graphic and such. But in saying that, it's going to be an exciting time for the Brooklyn Nets because they're in so many goddamn rumors. JJ Redick as well. All these sort of names that we probably have a bit more of a chat about after the Jazz game and maybe not beforehand if we do see some moves because we've seen Woj, we've heard Woj sort of mention on plenty of different platforms that the Nets aren't done yet. And to me, that's exciting as a Brooklyn Nets fan. What yeah. are we going to get, Nick? Because if you add even more quality to this rotation, a wing, a big, whoever else, uh, a shooter, I'm just intrigued to see what the Nets can do and what they can take away from other teams by adding to their rotation. Because if Kyle Lowry's out there and Aaron Gordon's out there, what teams are these guys going to go to? Can the Nets continue to solidify what they have and increase their propensity uh, of their quality that they do have currently? Um, I'm intrigued to see how it all pans out, Nick. And I'm sure... Once I see my bleach report notifications at like 2 a.m. tomorrow when I make up to to take a bit of a piss, uh, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> the Nets will probably have acquired, you know, pr- uh, maybe Pascal Siakam for Spencer Dibbley in some sort of trade. I don't know. I'm being stupid here. No, but honestly, you know, as sad as, sad as it is, you know, Spencer might not be a net tomorrow. He's probably not going to be a net at the end of this week. And obviously, Dinwiddie has done a ton for this organization and this team. And it is kind of bittersweet. But like you said, if they're able to add a Nor- uh, Norman Powell or a Thad Young or somebody along those lines, a really solid rotation piece your confidence in that's winning a championship kind of just takes another tick up but jack like you said we'll touch on that a little bit more tomorrow as always a big pleasure and big thanks everybody for listening clack city if you have loved ones that rely on your income you need life insurance but finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime with policy genius you could save 50 percent or more by comparing quotes from america's top insurers First, head to PolicyGenius.com. In minutes, PolicyGenius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. 
you might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award winning service has a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.